When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Don't worry, my dear. I know you're alarmed, but you needn't be. Oh, no. What are you doing here? We can't have two of us running about. Yes, well, it's a bit difficult to explain, really. In that case, there's only one thing left for us to do. I know. Paul Drew. Paul Drew. Yes, and what do you do? They're a form of higher anthropoid. They're very simple, very honest. We all know what will happen if we fail. So do we. We've seen it happen. Do, please, sit down. Oh, yeah. But this time, this time it's going to be different. Here come the... <laughs> Hello, 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 and welcome to Pull to Open, the ongoing quest to watch all of Doctor Who, every single story in random order. My name is Chris Taylor. And I'm Pete Paschal. And if you're here for our serious yet whimsical Doctor Who commentary, Chris and I have you covered. Don't worry about that. Yeah. It's not just new takes on old episodes here at Pull to Open, though. We're going to have some new takes on new episodes that you might have heard of that are coming up. That's happening pretty soon, mm. especially now that we have the space-time coordinates for when our show, Doctor Who, is coming back. But more That's on right. that in a little bit. More on that in a little bit. We're going to talk all about that. But we'll first, that. Chris, please, <laughs> yes. can you update our fine, beautiful listeners on where we have been lately? Previously on Pull to Open, three stories ago, this may become pertinent. We were in Pertwee's first season with the Ambassadors of Death. Two stories ago, we rocketed backwards to a uh, horse outside the ancient city of Troy with the Mythmakers. And last time on Pull to Open, well, before we did our Hot 100 countdown, uh, please check out that. That really looking great. Martin West, thank you for the music. Uh, fabulous show. But before that, we had Party on the Moon with Ice Warriors and a lot of foam and some balloons. <laughs> it was the Seeds of Death. And what might have been a pride parade. We're, we're still looking into that. <laughs> As you said, one of the gayest stories in Doctor Who, and we loved it for that. Uh, and then what did the randomizer do? Did it send us forward for a, uh, perhaps an aperitif? Uh, perhaps a little dry white wine of a new Who episode? No. <laughs> with with insouciance with the insouciance of a Malbec it took us backwards to Pertwee's drinkiest phase uh, <laughs> to the beginning of season 10 episode 1 story 1 it's day of the Daleks That's I kind of right. knew where you were going with that with all the wine <laughs> stuff I'm glad I'm glad you brought it home That's good yeah, well, you know, I think I I I don't have my wine with me because it's ten thirty in the morning San Francisco time when we're recording this. However, if we were later in the day, like I was in New York, I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, begrudge you uh, having a, a small uh, mimosa, perhaps a small mimosa. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that okay. late in the day here; it's a little early, uh, but it yeah. is brunch time at least. It's always brunch o'clock, and uh, here on Walter <laughs> Open, it's always commentary o'clock. If you fast forward. 
to the time listed in the show notes uh, for the commentary on Day of the Daleks. If you're there for that, if you want to get timey-wimey with it, Terminator with it, uh, we're here for you. We've got you. But you won't want to do that. Because well, you, well, they had, remind them where they have to look, though. They have oh, to look uh, at the show, show notes. notes. Show notes. Yeah, I just said that. Show notes. Oh, you did. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm the one not paying attention. Though. <laughs> what hey, we just we just record this. Blake thing. Seven, listen to it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, check the show notes. But if you like seeing me being tortured by the Humoji challenge that is coming up, as is pull poll to open on Paul to Open's verdict on the Myth Makers, and lots more. It's all coming up in the Pulse Loop. Of course, Fetidem. Yes, and first up in the Pulse Loop, everyone, please check out our website. It is pulltoopen.net, because even though we're going to have a lot of meaty commentary on the Day of the Daleks, actually, it's just Day of the Daleks, I realize. There's no the. Yes. On That's Day right. of the Daleks... There is probably stuff that we might not even get to talking about. We have so many thoughts on it, and we will send our notes out to anyone who subscribes to our newsletter over at pulltoopen.net. Yep, pulltoopen.net. You can find us there. You'll get full written notes on every episode, as well as anything else that we decide to send out. So it's a great place to stay apprised of what's going on in the Pull to Open universe. Um, in addition to that, you can also visit us on Patreon if you want to become a patron of the show and help support us. So if you go to patreon.com slash pull to open and on there and there are step by step instructions on becoming a, a member. Uh, yes. I'm not sure if it's a member or a patron or if it's both. I think they're sort of the same name for uh, different names for the same thing. So I think I think overlords is appropriate for, there you for go. pull to open. Uh, you can be our overlords. You can be the lords of the randomizer on patreon uh so thanks if you want us to do that that would be fantastic um we are also going to be doing some special hot takes uh on the specials that have just been mm -hmm. announced uh, the dates of which have just been announced uh so so look for that coming up please uh check in with us if you're looking for some commentary right after the specials have aired and you're thinking where can i find it who is my favorite you know doctor who podcast voice to listen to well Obviously, it's mine. You can also listen to Pete's uh, in those special hot takes uh, that we'll be releasing right after the specials. Right, Pete? I guess that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're going we're gonna to have our uh, beautiful voices, yes, uh, on <laughs> the internet after oh, shortly oh. after the specials come out. We're actually jamming the randomizer for once in our podcast, yeah. where we, we've considered it once or twice. Don't tell the randomizer, by the way, and because it might release its fury upon us now that it's hearing this. But oh, we're going to jam it. We're going to be currently here, staying abreast of the current time in space. Um, and you know what it is? We, we'll be, we'll be standing that. at the console of the randomizer, and we will look up and we will see ourselves from the future talking mm. about the new specials. And then we'll look down again and be like, wait, wait what was that? <laughs> uh, so it won't technically be us and we'll never find out where in our time streams that actual event happened but anyway well, so far <laughs> it's so far you never know um but yeah so you know stay tuned for those by the way if you are a fan of pull to open and you're really looking forward to hearing our takes every week and also our commentaries on those new specials hey you might be just the kind of person we're looking for to help us out with our social media, 
Um, we are uh, getting some good response on social media. We want to keep that going, but we could use a little help from someone. So please go ahead and DM us on any of our platforms or email us over at pull to open podcast at gmail.com. And let's chat. Yeah, yeah. And please, please uh, slide into our DMs because we've got thousands and thousands of TikTok followers and we don't know what to do with it. Uh, well, we, we sort of do, but we could do with a hand. Uh, anyway, uh, if you're not going to slide into our DMs, then at the very least, please show support for Pull to Open by leaving a review in the podcast app, especially if you're listening to our Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars if you feel like it. It's entirely up to you. It'll help make the show visible for more listeners. Uh, who are eager for great discussion of Doctor Who, and the only better way to show your appreciation is to randomly send it to a friend. Um, and if you really want to get into it, you can you can you can be hella hella efficient and link that with link your review with the segment that is now coming up, where I get tortured by Pete uh, <laughs> reads out the emoji title, uh, the emoji form of a title of a Doctor Who story. I have to guess which of the 300 plus stories that could be uh and if you oh leave a review you don't have to actually say what you feel about the podcast just leave us a story title we'll get it we'll, we'll guess it peter's very good at uh, guessing them and providing uh the answer key uh and <laughs> <laughs> i'm great and at may, that may check with you if in fact he's he's not certain himself uh, you, so which i did Can for you this me? week this week's edition of the Humoji Challenge. That's right, everybody. It's time for some content. This is content, everyone. We're going to be talking to Chris. We're going to be actually putting him in the hot seat. You might be interrogating him with a bit of a mind probe. Not the on mind this baby. Probe. Um, but I believe you've had it a little bit easy lately, my oh, friend. I uh -oh. think this is the time where your time stream comes apart. Oh, God. And I'm very much looking forward to it. So... <laughs> something so scary, the TARDIS just ran away. Um, uh, yeah, okay, what we got? So, we have um, a little something from Ethan Melton on YouTube. And he... It was a little perplexing to me, even... So I did get the answer key this time. So there will be a oh resolution to this emoji challenge in this episode. Resolution. Uh, but oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, wait. <I> <laughs> might have, might have given it away. Just in there. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. Four emojis. Okay. First emoji. Alien face. Okay. Second emoji. Evergreen tree. Okay. Third emoji, coiled snake. Okay. Fourth emoji, shield. Oh, holy cow. Holy space helmet for a cow, Batman. Uh, I don't even know where to start with that. Obviously not Aliens of London. I thought with the tree, maybe we were getting into the, into the forest, in the forest of the night. Uh, and uh, Kinder, snake dance with the snake. No, maybe. Are, Do are I you have to choose one? <laughs> I think you're gonna. I'm gonna force you to choose one. Is it Kinder? It's Kinder! Oh my god! How did you do that? What gave it away? I guess the snake. <laughs> the snake. <laughs> the snake is is a big giveaway. Oh yeah, yeah. It kind of is. Have they... you seen Kinder? 
I, a long, long time ago, uh, when it originally aired, I did. Right. And, and all I remember is the snake. I remember the snake dance, you know, the, the linked in my brains. And honestly, the big I snake is, it features prominently in both of those. So it's kind of a giveaway. Um, I like Hola. what they, what uh, Ethan did here with the alien face. It's almost like a mislead, even though, um, you know, it's an alien planet. There is a forest. So that's mm. a big deal. There's like an exosuit type thing that they used to explore the forest. Obviously, there's a snake in the shield. I've, I've, I think this is supposed to be representative of the circle that they encircled uh, the Mara in at the end there. Okay. All right. That's fair. Yeah. Well, so. awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ethan. Uh, please, everyone else, uh, write in. Torture me. You saw how torturing that was. Uh, add your torture device to the list. And my reward for winning the emoji challenge is get to do the very first ad read of my entire life. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not actually a heavy lift because it's about Zencaster. Uh, we have so much fun bringing this podcast to you. And one of the reasons we're able to make time for all that fun is because Zencast is really cool and easy to use. When we started our podcasting, we were like the doctor with a battered old Type 40, not quite sure what we were doing with the equipment we had. And ever since we switched, it has been a dream. It's like doing casual time travel between the 20th and the 22nd centuries. Sometimes you erase your own time stream. No, it's also just convenient. All you do is recreate, create your recording room in the cloud, send the link to your guests, and Zencaster handles the rest. It records studio quality sound, video up to 4K which uh, is appropriate when you've got faces like ours. Plus, it has all the tools you need to host, create, distribute your podcast all in one place. So if you've got your own podcast, I know some of you do, or you're thinking about starting one, we would strongly encourage you to check out Zencaster like we did. Set your browser coordinates for Zencaster.com slash pricing. And we've got a special code for you. It is iPush. Get it? iPush. Pull to open. What do you do? iPush. And you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. 30%. That's Right, we want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all our podcasting and content needs. It is time to share your story. Remember, the site is Zencaster.com slash pricing, uh, Zencaster without the E, uh, and the code is IPUSH. All right, and the app where you can do even more to interact with Pull to Open is called Spotify. Yes, you can rate the show on your mobile app, which I think everyone knows, but not only that, you have your voice in our rating system. So everyone knows we have a rating system for all the stories that we talk about. And you, the listener, also can rate the show with one of those ratings. So feel free to go into your Spotify app right now, if you like, and vote on the very thing we're going to talk about. Uh, you might want to wait for a commentary, but even if you don't want to. And you can also rate pretty much any of the episodes that we've already talked about. We keep these po those polls open for as long as we possibly can and we'll revisit the results over time. Uh, and I'm going to re I'm going to visit some of the results of a recent one now, which is a our poll on the Mythmakers. So you may recall that we both really like this, Chris. We actually oh, yes. both gave it a Dalek banger hybrid. That's right. It was a Trojan <laughs> Dalek with lots of bangers coming out of it. And uh, I would say generally the group, the, the listeners agree with us, although they're coming more on the side of the Dalek than the banger. So at least a good chunk of people thought it was a banger, about, you know, 17% of the people who 
responded. But the Dalek rating, whoa, this is mm. this gets almost basically 50% of the votes of everyone who yeah. voted uh, gave it a Dalek. So everyone, the, the majority seem to insist it is a very good episode of Doctor Who, but there yeah. are at least a couple of contenders also on the fixed point in time, which is the rating <laughs> where something is sort of beyond rating, which is totally understandable for a missing episode. I get that. Missing story, yeah. And then there's the Lady Cassandra, which I kind of don't get. Uh, but I also think understandable because it's a it's a great joke, right? Exactly. It's just I don't because the rating is for a paper thin plot that looks great, and it's hard to know if this looks great because it's lost. But again, there is a character called Cassandra, which might mm-hmm. be the original, you might say. Yeah, <laughs> so the original, you might say. I love it. Yeah, well, thanks for voting. Please do vote again, and polls are open. And if you're on YouTube, uh, that is a great place, as we've already said, to leave that emoji title for the emoji challenge. You can see us, you can see our Easter eggs in the background, you can try to read all of the pull to open sign as you watch me. Uh, what, have, what have we got in the background there, Pete, for uh, for Day of the Daleks? We have some Pertwee uh, and unit action. We got a Dalek who is just appearing mm-hmm. randomly in the middle of the first episode saying report. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, also if you're on YouTube, uh, you can like the video you're watching, subscribe, hit the bell icon, and go check out that uh, Toymaker plot summary because my goodness, that is that thing is heading to the stratosphere. Uh, we appreciate uh, which which one of us is reading that summary, Pete? I can't even remember. It's so traumatic to remember past TLDWs. Uh, that would be you, sir. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, well, thanks everyone uh, for listening to my dulcet I, and panicked tones. I always will remember your assertion that Cyril is not the schoolboy Billy Bunter. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was very important to waste it. valuable time in TLDW to, to assert that. No, I'm it's sure always it it's always important <laughs> to waste valuable time in TLDW, as we're about to find out in a few minutes. Yes. But before we do that, reminder, folks, we are on TikTok at Pull to Open. Uh, we have a lot of followers there, and we're, we're continuing to upload uh, clips from our podcasts with commentary. So check that out. It's a great place to follow us along, and there's a lot of great discussion on all those videos. And we're also on Twitter slash X at pull to open 63. Uh, also on Instagram at that same handle and Facebook. Uh, and we're also starting to do a little more on threads. So please keep checking us out there. Uh, and we're also on blue sky at pull to open. Yes. All right. So, so there's been some news. <laughs> Let's get to the news. This is exciting. So we got the first two special dates and it is November the 25th. First three. First three. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I missed the third. You missed the third? I missed the third. Because it wasn't it just the first two were revealed and then uh, the third later? No? Did no, I? No, we got oh we got all goodness. three. The one that wasn't revealed is the Christmas special. So let me let me bring the people up to speed. Okay. Yes, so please. we have November twenty-fifth yes. will be the date of the first special, entitled The Star Beast. Uh and the second one is Wild Blue Yonder, which is coming at ya. December 2nd, so one week later. Mm-hmm. And then The Giggle with Neil Patrick Harris very prominently in the title card as the toy maker, as we all know, will be coming December 9th. So we have all three, all three dates. So it's basically Ooh, every okay. week. It's, it's going every week. It's going um, every week. And then there's also a Christmas special. Yeah. This is all old news to the folks, by the way. Yeah. Uh, because sure. it's a week later from when we're recording this. But sorry, folks. Gramps is just catching up here. Um so, I will okay. I gotta say, like that first yeah. title card, I know everyone's talked about this 
and it's been a sensation on Twitter, but the the care that they took to make it look like the first issue of <laughs> Doctor Who, the comic book, yes. with the two aliens sort of leaning in, the Doctor in the middle, people behind him, Beep the Meep sort of peeking out. Mm-hmm. Um you just, I, 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 you, you, it's just such a reassuring thing, frankly, yeah. that Doctor Who, and, and I'm not saying it, this isn't been the case throughout new, most of New Who, but the people making it are fans of the show and they get it. And they have these great creative forces that are, that are really taking the care to, you know, tickle all of, the fan fancies that you could possibly think of. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's it doesn't get incredible. Or fancier than, than uh, the star beast. And uh, for all of those who read the comic book at the time, uh, you know, we, we may even uh, have a little bit to say on that comic book. So stay tuned for that uh, mm. later in full to open history. Uh, but you know, what is most interesting to me about those dates, Pete? Mm. The date What's most interesting about those date dates, Chris, that isn't there. What date ah. is that you say? November the 23rd, 2023. Yes. Now, of course, as our American listeners know, uh, you guys are having something of a dinner? <laughs> a big dinner? You guys, as if you haven't lived here for like 30 years. Um, <laughs> yes, there, there's a, it's a big day in, in the American holiday schedule. It is Thanksgiving Day, of course, and that is the official anniversary to my knowledge, I, I don't know if anything's actually scheduled. And that Thanksgiving is is thanks for uh, the arrival of Doctor Who in 1963. Yes, certainly. That's, that's when the holiday started. I know that's when it arrived right. at uh, Plymouth Rock. That's right, it, and... It, and it has no more problematic history than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it. Nothing to see here, folks. Uh, but yeah, so what are they going to do for the 23rd? Because uh, in case you haven't noticed, the UK doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving. And it's it's kind of a big deal. And like, how can we let the actual 16th anniversary? Well, there are things that RTD has not said yet. Mm-hmm. And and here's one wild pie in the sky suggestion that I just want to throw out there. I'm not saying I have okay. any any uh, reason to think that this might happen. I would I would just love to see it. I'd love to see another adventure in space and time. Oh, like just really. Keep- Keep the story going. I mean, you don't necessarily have to have uh, uh, Reese uh, Shearsmith, is it? Is, uh, yeah, is Patrick Troughton. Troughton. Yeah. But so another behind-the-scenes dramatization. Behind the scene. Because, of course, as we know from, from going to the war games around that time, the show was teetering on the brink of cancellation. Uh, mm. Troughton was exhausted. Like, a, a lot of the stories that we've been to, especially in Classic Who, you know, kind of had so much behind the scenes tension that it makes for a great story. Uh, you know, I like this idea. Electric yeah. basically talking like I'd love to see essentially the behind the scenes Doctor Who doesn't have to be a series of movies. It could almost be like The Crown, <laughs> yeah. you know? but it's about yeah. it's about the making of Doctor Who. Yeah. I mean, that would be just fabulous. I, I wonder if RTD hasn't, because I'm sure he's a fan of the ground, if he hasn't had that idea already. I wonder if we haven't hit on something uh, that we might well, see. And as as niche as it sounds, because it sounds like it's only going to appeal to Doctor Who fans, which is true. One, if you think about media today, it's all going niche. Everything's yeah. all niche all the time. Also, you're you're dead on in that like the behind the scenes stories and the drama about it, whether it's Trout and Pertwee, Tom Baker, all of that. Like if you create rich enough characters and make it sort of, if make it really about something, I mean, people will watch, even if they're not fans of Doctor Who. 
yeah, there's so much drama and like, you know, how worn out the doctors became and how <clears throat> the BBC tried to, you know, cancel it several times. Maybe the whole sort of behind the scenes of how the, you know, the return to earth and that the unit adventures like that, that would be a great sort of third act mm. reveal is like, Oh no, we're actually saving the show, but it's going to talk on this whole new form. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just it writes itself, and you know what? Today's story, the Day of the Daleks, has a, beh- a behind the scenes story to it that actually was the thing that made me think of this. Uh, well, I would love to see. This, I can't we'll wait to get to that. But yeah. one last thing, I'll just say about all this stuff that came out now about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. That little uh, sort of transition bit in the new trailer. There's not much new in the trailer. There's like a little bit of new footage of Neil Patrick Harris just kind of running in his sort of uh marching band outfit mm. but the the bit where the disney plus co- logo comes on and the tardis sort of completes the plus sign and then swings out in front of it i've said this on social media already it's such such a surreal moment it's it's kind of like just one of those things where not not since i heard the words doctor who the fox tuesday night movie <laughs> had have i felt such a weird surreal world colliding moment it was crazy oh yeah i i hear you i i obviously i did not keep up with all the doctor who news of the last uh, week and a half but i did see that ident and my goodness yes you're absolutely right seeing that spinning police box spinning blue police box next to the <laughs> disney logo who would ever have thought in 1986 we you know the show teetering on brink of cancellation again and i can't wait to see the colin baker adventure in space and time um he could play himself uh yeah he uh that's that's really it's it's fabulous it's amazing i can't wait to see where who goes next i can't Mm. wait to see all these things that rtd has up its sleeve i'm like a kid on christmas morning here and the, the presents are just sitting there and i can itching to unwrap them well um here here's again like and that i'm me too and you you kicked off this segment a little bit with like wondering what's going to happen on the 23rd. Here's my suspicion. I think we might get another Night of the Doctor. Ooh. I think we get a YouTube. Yeah. And either it's that day or just before. Yes. And because he, he's had so much time to, to think about the rollout and the things he's going to gift us with. And I, I hope it is something like that adds to the actual story, right? Not just like, Oh, here's a behind the scenes thing with David Tennant, which they are doing. And here's some other stuff. Um, But like, particularly since the comic book has already sort of taken up what's happened after power of the doctor, I feel like, and they they might need something to bridge it now with sort of the series. So with particularly for people who haven't read the comic, right? Um, Not that Mm -hmm. everyone's going to, (laughs) <laughs> watch the YouTube. But that said, if you're, if you're, if you're not even a fan enough to do either of those things, you're just going to come in anyway, cold anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And the doctor could be like, I don't know what's happening to me anymore. That was a very weird adventure with Daleks who weren't Daleks. What was that? About? <laughs> uh, yeah. That, that would be satisfying for us who've been scratching our heads through the comic book as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I can't wait to see. And, and look, RTD, I, I know you're listening. I'm not going to insult your intelligence by saying you don't listen to Pull to Open. Um, really, please do do drop that YouTube on uh, November the 22nd, which also happens to be my birthday. Uh, it would be oh. an extra special gift. So, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, RTD. <laughs> <laughs> thanks in advance. Thanks, <laughs> Uncle Russell. 
<laughs> I can't wait to unwrap it. But I'm also looking forward to unwrapping the official pull to open summary of Day of the Daleks. Oh it's approaching. It is hoving into view. It is appearing in the middle of the episode and saying report we're we're here at it it's time folks that's right you've skipped forward in the show notes and now you're here uh it's time for one p Ashel, it's this week's contestant in tldw to summarize day of the daleks which is a story that we give uh 30 seconds for each episode each classic who episode that gives you two minutes to tell us a timey-wimey terminator style story uh do you think you could do it <laughs> I think I could do it. It's funny. You were saying the last time we did one of these that you're getting good at anticipating doing them. Yeah. And I think you've kind of cursed me because now I feel like I'm the opposite. Like I just, I didn't think about it at all. Like I'm just like, oh, right. I've got to do this thing. I guess I'll just do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward, surprisingly, uh, looking at the story generally and as a time travel story but like it is it is kind of a straightforward kind of like paradox time travel story that i think i i've got i just there's definitely rabbit holes that could go down that i'm gonna try to be mindful of but i I think i got this one well i will warn you that this is your one and only shot at this you cannot come back in the future (laughs) and do this again because the blinovich limitation says you the blinovich says sir i think you'll find i'm gonna pull a father's day man somehow (laughs) We'll get back. You might unravel everything and have time eaters come out and oh sterilize the wound, but I'll, I'll make it happen. No, I'm getting it right. One so, take. We're getting so nerdy right here, but let's get even <laughs> nerdier because it's time for the official pull to open summary of Day of the Daleks, Notha, in two minutes, starting in three, two, one, go. So there's this peace conference about to happen on Earth, and Unit is doing security and this guy who's running the peace concert is nearly killed by a guerrilla soldier and they call in the doctor and unit to figure out what's happening it turns out this person who was trying to kill him is actually from the future he's from the 22nd century and what he wants to do is kill styles this is the guy who's in charge of this thing before uh he has a chance to kill everyone at the peace delegation which is weird because uh he's actually kind of a good dude and is just trying to get this uh, peace delegation working. By the way, the world's on the brink of war. So uh, this is a very serious thing that's happening. And so the doctor and Joe investigate more guerrillas to come to kill this guy, Styles. But Styles is gone because he's getting the Chinese to come and who have sort of dropped out of the conference. So these guerrillas are also pursued by these ape-like creatures and all these these apes and gorillas are from the 22nd century and they have trying to sort of do stuff for this peace conference, either destroy it or kill the guy or preserve it or not kill mm-hmm. the guy. It's a little unclear, but the doctor and Joe uh, end up going to the 22nd century to figure out what's going on. And it's a devastated place. It's a terrible world and it's actually ruled by the Daleks and the Daleks are behind all this. And they've uh, claimed to have invaded earth again and essentially altered the time stream so that their invasion in the future, which everyone knows happens in the 22nd century really succeeds this time. And the earth is just devastated and they're completely in charge. So the doctor uh, uh, allies himself with the gorillas and realizes what's happened is that they tried to go back in time to kill Styles, who was apparently responsible for creating this future. But they ended up creating the future themselves by destroying the peace conference and uh, ushering in a whole 
uh, generation of war. So what happens is they go back, get the house evacuated. The Daleks try to come back with the Ogrons and get, destroy the house to make sure their version of the future happens. But they get the delegates out in time and the, destroy the Daleks and everything's okay. <laughs> and off the doctor goes without fulfilling the promise from from the first episode that he would meet himself again in the future while wearing the same outfit bit of a rabbit hole i avoided yeah you certainly <laughs> did uh, well done for and so did the director exactly <laughs> the director tldw'd by not including that scene deliberately was it was it actually filmed no, uh, the other end of that scene. No, no. So no. yeah, we could. You know, we we starting to tend to start these commentaries off with like tidbits. Um, yeah. So so we we made reference to it a couple times already, even in the pre-show. But there is that scene. It's one of the very first scenes. So they're the Doctor and Joe are around the TARDIS console, and then they see themselves come in because of some time short out, and then something explodes in the console, and they disappear. And the doctor's sort of nonplussed by it. He's like, oh, well, I'm sure we'll we'll become them at some point. And it never happens. <laughs> You're kind of waiting for that to happen, honestly, even in episode one. I, I'm um I'm not surprised they didn't do it. Honestly, I here's the thing. I, I think it's a good call not to do it because it's, it's once the Daleks are destroyed, it's true. The story's over. You know, like like doing something just to loop back for the sake of doing it because you did it in the first episode is a bad idea at that point. However, what I would have done had they the time, and again, Doctor Who never has enough time to make the show, certainly back in the classic series. The irony. If they had worked that into the explanation for the paradox, because the paradox is a great idea and it happens in episode four when they discover it's the gorillas who are actually responsible for destroying the peace conference in the first mm-hmm. place, but it's all sort of dialogue. It's all sort of worked out there. Whereas if they could have somehow rewritten that, that they were back in the 20th century and the doctor and Joe see themselves and there is a sort of light bulb that goes off on everyone because of this, that, mm-hmm. Oh, that the gorillas actually did the paradox. That would have been really, really good. And actually even made the whole thing more active. Cause like I say, it's just kind of everyone, talking to each other and just coming to the conclusion that it's them. There's yeah. no real sort of, you know, active moment where it happens. Yeah. Let, let's talk about the overall structure and the pacing of this thing, because uh, it doesn't, it's, it's a story that betrays the fact that the writer really didn't want to write certain elements of the story. I think <laughs> <laughs> the pacing is kind of all over the place. Uh, you know, well, we, yeah, we'll get to the circumstances of that. I think but one of those it, things rhymes with Moloch's. Yeah, really. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the story of that, but in in the Doctor Who history corner. But but let me just say that my personal experience of watching this, uh, and I did watch, by the way, the CGI version. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. Um, we'll which, talk about that. Give me the structure. You wanted to go in the structure. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll go with the structure, and then we'll get CGI. I I really for the first three episodes, I I was ogroning hard. Uh, as they say, uh, it's uh, it's term of art here on Pull to Open. Uh, I was, yeah, and, and then all of a sudden in the fourth episode, when it reveals itself to be this sort of proto Terminator story, 
Right. Uh, when when the underlying story under those uh, creatures that uh, the writer really didn't want to insert uh, reveals itself, it's it's fantastic. I wanted more episode four, even though like episode four also a lot of like that's where you get the famously laughable invasion of the house with just three Daleks in the original version. Uh, but uh, yeah, if if they'd pace this differently, if they'd stretch it out more, like if they'd really really leaned into the terminator story and explained it earlier on like to to a greater degree and explained the paradox loop uh you know maybe the doctor get the information a bit faster about what's actually going on here well it it was a novel idea at the time mm, and i think yeah. the reveal of it in episode four is the big reveal um you know we're we're really like veteran sci-fi people not just you and me but fans mm. of science fiction and genre tv like this and, and movies yeah uh have seen this story over and over and um we we want more variety we want more depth to it we want it explored more whereas i i'm not sure if this is i i know i'm pretty sure it's not the first time they've done some kind of paradox in fiction like this but it's definitely one of the first and mm. i i definitely remember thinking about it when um it i think terminator was pretty had just come out right when I saw this the first time. It was like oh wow, 84, okay, eighty five, eighty four. Yeah, so it was it was very sort of resonant at the time, and, and it just it just struck me as like oh yeah, that's a really clever twist just mm-hmm. on its own. Probably by the standards of today, doesn't quite make the cut. Yeah, you're right, and we definitely shouldn't bring our our twenty first century sophistication to a twentieth slash twenty second story uh, century story. Um, <laughs> it's it's kind of weird to be the middleman century, isn't it? Um, <laughs> yeah, here we are, and uh, apparently by the twenty second century, we're all going to be lying on couches. Uh, or not even couches, but just like it's cushions like, on the floor. Yeah, sort of carefully arranged cushions, ceramic wine carafes. Yep, like there's definitely some some attempt anyway at sort of future design here. Um, it it does there there are moments like that that speak to the cheaper production values of the seventies. But to loop back around on the CGI, like my God, mm. I was blown away. Like I have not seen this version of Day of the Daleks. I know it's been out for a while, but yep. The moment in episode one, uh, I'm not sure if they've used the guns yet, which have the beams at that point. Yes. But the moment where the Dalek comes in and screams report, I I, I, I was waiting for the bad voices because I've, I've seen this yes. story a couple times and the voices for the Daleks are it were infamous in this one. They were so bad. They didn't even use a ring modulator, so they didn't even crackle in the way that the the current ones and even even ones prior to this did but when they it's basically nick briggs yes you know came in to do the the new voices basically redo all the voices they are so good like it just screams report in that sort of new who dalek kind of way and i was just what like i just, yeah. I, just well, I was there with my kids and i was just like holy cow that was not what i remember Interesting. Yeah, I, I have not seen the original version. I sort of feel, uh, as, as a veteran of the Star Wars Special Edition Wars, I, I should at least go back and watch the, the despecialized version of Day of the Daleks at some point. But yeah, if the Dalek voices are that bad, maybe not. But yeah, Nicholas Briggs does a fine job. Nicholas Briggs, the voice of the Daleks in New Who, of course, now inserted here like a, like a time-changing gorilla. He's been inserted back in 1972. And I got to say, like, that was very pleasing. It levels up all of the Dalek scenes massively. But mm. I would say what makes this story even better 
is the CGI laser beams, which I know yes. you might think they're it's it's a bit like whatever, but the fact that the disintegration effect yeah. kind of has people just sort of blown apart. Like it makes it so much more visceral. Like it actually changes the tone of certain scenes for the better. I would say, like yes. there is there are bits where the unit soldiers are vaporized, ogrons are vaporized, ogrons are vaporized so... by the doctor. Yes, I felt so bad for the ogrons. Justice <laughs> for the ogrons. Oh my goodness, doctor, what are you even doing? Like yeah, this there... is one of the few stories where where he just kills people left and right. And not only that, you get a good like Gatling gun scene up by the brigadier to gun down one of the Ogrons, which again, all of this yeah. exists in the original version. It's just that the disintegration effects were, you know, people would just sort of fade away. You didn't get the good sort of bullets hitting the Ogron the way it is in the, the special edition uh, when the brigadier opens fire. Like, I got to say, in terms of like, I, I, I was actually really taken aback by how much this story was leveled up with just these sort of special effects uh, enhancements. Another one is the the transition effects to the 22nd century and within the 22nd yeah, century. Yeah, they use the time show, tunnel. Yeah, they well, that, that's the, but also like seeing the uh, Dalek headquarters and there's sort of like yeah. these three thin buildings and they show all the saucers sort of going around it. Like, I thought all of that was really cool. Like, I got, I mean, it's it's just one of, the, I, I'm almost almost a little bit ashamed of how into it I got, like, because I, <laughs> I do like old Doctor Who and I can sort of correct for this stuff in my brain most of the time. But I, I'm actually coming out a little bit pro special edition here. Like, yeah. I want to see kind of more of it. I know they've done it for other episodes, but I will say for Day of the Daleks, it drastically improves your appreciation of the story. Like that's well good done. to know. That's good to know. I really wanted to ask you about that because yes, I absolutely enjoy the, those tall green buildings. It's a really effective use of, of minimal CGI. Really. It's, it's not like they've got an impressive CGI budget for this thing, but they just do a few things really well. The buildings is one disintegrations, as you say, the other, uh, Visceral without being bloody. Like, I, I don't want you to worry that you couldn't watch this with your kids, right? I mean, right. Were, were your, how, how did your kids react to those disintegration effects? They were impressed. I mean, I th yeah. the thing is, they, they're kind of used to old Doctor Who. They haven't seen it like I have, so I don't think they it registered for them that those were new, right? Like, no. you know, I don't know if they've, they've gotten enough uh, vocabulary as to what special effects were like at various mm. times and, you know, the Doctor Who history. But it was like... The first time I think the doctor shoots an ogron, Jack, who was watching this with me, was like, damn. <laughs> <laughs> damn, doctor. The doctor's What's a up? badass, you know? <laughs> What's up, doc? Uh, yeah, it's it's super weird. All right, so, uh, so this is the return of the Daleks, right? Chronologically mm -hmm. speaking, if we get out of our random heads for a second, this is the first time the Daleks have been on screen for five years, and which is why the, the other I thing... Know. Not counting the war games. Not counting the war games. Brief, right. brief shot in the war games. I think there's something else, maybe Mind of Evil, where they appear for a split second. Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, that's what they do. But this, this is this is their big return, and they're really, really not held, handled well. We'll get well again. We'll get to the behind the scenes story in a second. But the fact that they, I mean, this may have been somewhat obscured by the appearance of Nick Briggs's voice for you, Pete. But the fact that they appear just in the middle of episode one. You just get a Dalek saying report. It's like, here they are for the first time in five years, and that's your big reveal. 
but it's kind of appropriate how the Daleks come across in this because they're kind of uh, they're, they're C-suite managers now. Yeah. You know, they're very concerned with productivity levels, and they are <laughs> absolutely terrible at middle management relations. Yeah. Uh, well, they, for re- yeah, yeah. For the reveal, I think it's a tough thing when the episode's called "Day of the Daleks." Yeah, um, but but that's kind of like a Doctor Who tradition, right? You do you know that at the end of episode one of an. An of the Daleks story, you're going to get a reveal of the Daleks. Everyone, like it's it's well, tradition. It's like Christmas. But I mean, does that make the the split second report better or worse? Because that's surprising. Because you're you're waiting for it to happen at the end of your 25 minutes, but yeah. it happens around I don't know minute 15 or minute 17 or something, and I, I think that's kind of okay. I think it's like oh oh yeah. Um, just reminder, Daleks are in this. Um, what what I I thought was funny. I mean, like the thing is the Daleks are so clearly tacked on and Mm -hmm. contorted the cliffhangers to make sure each one's like a Dalek cliffhanger. And if you think about it, like the Daleks aren't really saying anything, doing anything substantive in any, virtually any of their scenes. Like the guy asks them for instructions, which he already probably knows I should just kill them. Right. Right. They just kill the guys and they just say, yeah, just go ahead and kill them. Like, and it gives them a chance to say exterminate, exterminate. Yeah. And, and the way they, they do it, he's he he communicates with them with this sort of slide down uh plasma TV, which is also a new thing in the special yep. edition. But I thought What it was it originally? I, I, I don't know what was uh, I was very curious about what those things were. I think it was were. just a screen on the wall. Okay. Like a projection TV or something. But the the what I found it hilarious at the beginning of episode two where he has to go and report that he's lost them or whatever. And it was just in the next room. <laughs> it was like, why were we doing the intercom thing? It's like someone slapping you from across your desk. You know, like, dude, I'm right here. New COVID protocols mean that we must meet on Zoom. <laughs> I cannot hear your microphone. I cannot hear. Unmute, unmute. <clears throat> yeah, sorry about that. Um, Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. So let's. I think it might be time to get to the reason why the, the Daleks are so sort of begrudgingly handled here. So it's so, time for Doctor Who history corner. It's time for the Doctor Who history corner, but it's also time for my pitch to RTD of you know for the Crown series of Adventure in Space and Time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's do an episode uh, where you okay opening scene. Barry Letts gets called in to see the big boss, the Director General of the BBC. Uh, Hugh Weldon, or I forget what is the actual type one, but big, big boss. He's he's called on the carpet and told, told to reinsert the Daleks you into the you. show. <laughs> like they've been, and and this is the guy Hugh Weldon who uh, was uh, responsible for a lot of the the Daleks' master plan being as long as it was. Those baddies uh, put butts in seats. Yeah, they uh, certainly they got, do. I guess in Britain terms, they got a lot of TV licenses sold. <laughs> 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 a lot of uh, TV licenses no longer evaded. Uh, right, I think that would go. be would be the metric. Um, but yeah, so uh, so he goes to to Lewis Marx. Who is it? Lewis Marx or Louis Marx? I've only seen right. it written down. Let's go with Lewis. Let's I go with Lewis. Lewis. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Lewis, uh, and all your descendants. If that's not the case, um, but. So he had this script. He had this proto-Terminator script, and at first, Barry Lance was going to insert the Daleks at the end of the season. That didn't work. Uh, they they really needed a oomph for this for this opening story, uh, so they 
force Lewis Marx to insert it. So I, I, I think that's the next scene uh, and scenes throughout this Adventure of Space and Time edition of uh, Behind the Scenes of Day of the Daleks, uh, where this guy really, really hates the Daleks, mm-hmm. is forced to insert it in the story. And he's, he's typing out on his typewriter alone in his room. He gets visited by a ghost from the future. Uh, like oh, a, Gal- a Dalek from the future, a Dalek from when they're in his script, and he keeps arguing with the Dalek. I think I just think that would be a great scene. And you know, meanwhile, we can cut to Pertwee just just lounging on uh, on a chair somewhere, drinking wine, drinking wine, and probably criticizing the Daleks, which he sort of famously did not like. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. He, held, he held his tongue publicly until uh, I think either late in his run or after his run. Um, so Pertwee did not like the Daleks and loved the Ogrons, which yeah. is another weird thing I found out. Well, I mean, the thing is, they made some weird decisions with the Daleks here. So just to add a yeah. little more to your background. So after, actually, it started happening even before Evil of the Daleks, but Terry Nation really thought he had sort of struck gold in the Daleks. It was clearly mm. something that resonated. He tried to do stuff with them separate from Doctor Who, none of which ever worked out. And we've talked about that before on the podcast about... You know the Daleks are kind of useless without Doctor mm-hmm. Who. It's just you mm-hmm. can't you can't really do it, even though they've sort of yeah. done it in strips and stuff. It's like that's for hardcore Doctor Who fans. So um, all of that had happened and failed. And because uh, if you look at Evil of the Daleks, it th- it's even said explicitly in dialogue. I think in the final bit, Troughton says this is the final end. Like they had ev- every intention of not bringing the Daleks back and mm-hmm. just moving on and letting Terry Nation do his thing. And then until, as you said, they were like, okay, like, let's, let's work this out. Let's bring him back. Cause of course you do. Of course you do. They, they, they're just super huge crowd pleasers. You're going to bring him back. So they bring him back for the first time. They have pupils. <laughs> they get, <laughs> they re, they basically redesigned the Daleks a bit. And I would argue for the worse. Um, mm. Now, again, these, this became the Dalek design I grew up with because it's sort of carried on through Genesis, through Fifth Doctor, Sixth Doctor with the pupils, and it gets better. But this first time out, for some reason, they're a little bit shorter than they've always been, it seems like. They were never quite as tall as, you know, a full-size, like a six-foot dude. But now they seem Mm -hmm. to even, like, you're actually looking down on the Daleks, which is never really a good look. Um, (laughs) And and the director didn't seem to want to alter that. Um, So they just don't look aesthetically that great. The eye stalks are a little bit droopy. And it all just looks kind of thrown together in a machine shop somewhere. You know, mm-hmm. they just looked a little, not, not really as alien and as formidable as they were in the old black and white days. Well, and, you know what? If, uh, if you make them smaller, you also get them a Napoleon complex. Uh, so they become <laughs> even more mad and genocidal. Well, and it's kind of like, then they also to on top of that, they had the bad voices in the mm. original version. So it's a little surprising. They sort of stuck with this and it's probably more budgetary that they sort of stuck with this design and just tended to upgrade it as they went along. Um, but if you think about sort of failed experiments on Dalek design and new who, so like when they did sort of the new paradigm Daleks and then sort of promptly forgot about them because <laughs> people were like, yeah, then maybe this isn't so great. Um, here, here they, I think for budgetary reasons, they just sort of went with it. Uh, luckily, mm. again, they got better. You know, like there are good sort of Dalek aesthetics, and by res- I'd say, by argue by resurrection of the Daleks, they've sort of mastered it. Um, but it was it was sort of a, a inglorious return, yeah, in, in so many ways. Again, until the CGI version, I think, which really just levels up the whole affair. Yeah, and it was definitely uh, you know that the show would soon learn that when you're limited 
by the number of Daleks because they had, as in a lot of classic Who stories, they had just three Daleks for this right. one. Uh, you've really got to learn to 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 make sure that the story uses those three well, which means like generally using them inside, not outside, because it's harder to disguise how many Daleks you've got going on outside. That's one thing I guess the CGI edition does as well adds number yeah. of Daleks to that final assault on the house. Um, uh, so yeah, That's yeah, and, but I was I was most surprised by how I, how much. I enjoyed the Ogrons in this. Like after Frontier in Space, I was not expecting to have a good time with the Ogrons. And of course, you had kind of prepared the ground years ago by adding Ogron to our rating, as Ogron is the official worst monster ever in a Doctor Who, according to Pull to Open, because that's a really bad, unredeemably bad story. Uh, but but yeah, they actually like, and they do they function well by not saying a lot, so you kind of just feel sorry for them. Uh, and especially as the the controller, this guy in the future, uh, you know, is working for the Daleks, kind of basically compares them to dogs. Huh, Poor yeah. guys, they're just trying to earn a living. Poor simple Ogron, simple and loyal. And what's wrong with dogs anyway? You know what I I liked about <laughs> something that struck me the first time while I was watching this was there's a couple bits towards the end where the controller's talking to the Daleks and is talking about. Uh, the gorillas mm. and he's saying like oh the gorillas are this the gorillas are that and you'd see almost like the ogron standing right there like hey like i'm right yeah. here dude like <laughs> you see gorillas? like <laughs> dude that's a bit that's a bit speciesist that's a bit ogron nest but i gotta say like just the word gorilla is used a lot here yeah and i feel like it was probably I don't know. Was that new in terms of the lexicon at the time? But I feel like it was certainly in, in, it was uh, certainly in the news, and that was certainly yeah. a big influence on on Lewis Marx. Was the uh, the gorillas, the uh, Palestinian uh, gorillas, hmm. uh, uh, hijacked a plane? I think it was the the Palestinian Liberation Front, something like that, mm. in about 1970-71. Uh, so I think that's what he was. But yeah, maybe they should have gone with the French pronunciation, gorilla, um, well, I mean, to it, differentiate it, it a little bit. I don't know. Certainly soldiers is, is <laughs> yeah. okay. But it's it's kind of like if you're calling people gorillas in a thing where there's kind of a species mm. of quasi-gorillas, particularly if it's a show for kids, Yes, like our, you know, it got a little confusing, honestly, for Grace. She was a little like she hadn't <laughs> but, heard the word huh? gorilla. She's ten, so she hasn't doesn't yeah. know what gorilla warfare is. And we sort of had to stop and explain what they honestly, were talking about the Ogrons. <laughs> honestly, I do remember that from the seventies. I'm sure a lot of seventies kids do. Uh, is the uh, is the fact that you you would hear gorillas mentioned on the news? You're like, really? There's an army of gr- I've I've just seen Planet of the Apes. Is th- is that like is that what's going on? Is that real? Was that a documentary? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was that was a little weird. Um, so yeah, I get it. But themselves, I mean, I don't know if they're that great. I mean, they're actually shown to be more competent than the controller gives them credit for because yeah. the controller constantly is like, "Oh, they suck compared to humans. Human, you need humans, not these sort of space apes that we we have." And they they actually recapture the doctor. They kill a bunch of the um, gorillas. Uh, throughout Gorilla. so you know as as foot soldiers you can sort of see why the daleks have chosen them because obviously yeah. they're easily controllable and they're big strong hairy dudes and that nice john pertry takes them for a jog by leading them on on his uh, <laughs> big big tricycle that they could easily catch up with <laughs> well, it's so silly because they keep shooting and it's zap 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 and there's all these ray beams 
the only way that makes any sense, of course, is if they're not trying to kill him, they're trying to drive him, which I think actually, as bad as that action scene is, does sort of make sense. It's like they're just trying to stop him from escaping. Yes. Get out of here, you vomit. <laughs> um, well, you can see, so Louis Marx, obviously, I'm calling him Louis Marx now, but uh, we'll, we'll just go with that for half the show. How about that? So he hated the Daleks, but it's clear the care and attention that he lavished on the Ogrons uh, by simply naming them in the script Monster. He, did, <laughs> he didn't even give them a name. He's not even the originator uh, of we, the name Ogron. Yes, we fear the monster. <laughs> exactly. Poor Ogrons. Uh, <laughs> you name them after the one thing that they're afraid of on their home planet. Poor guys. Um, okay, so let's. We've had show history corner here. Shall we uh, pop in a little bit into actual history corner? I've just got a small history corner this week. Do it. So I think you're going to start with the world situation. <laughs> yes, the, the world the situation. War in whatever future unit. Timeline is it? <laughs> yes, in the 1970s or 1980s, depending on the dating protocol, uh, we are in a dire international situation, and it does it probably amused you too as a journalist, right? How how vague the news broadcasts are. <laughs> There's just an international situation, and it's very dire, and yeah. the newsreaders are very upset about it. And again, it's it's kind of it's fine, even though it doesn't sync up with the world, and you can kind of mm. squint really hard and think it's like this is some version of the Cold War ten years from whatever year it is. Well, okay, so I mean, like, like a lot of a lot of fiction does this, right? Like, I, I when I saw this this time, I here's the thing I thought of: I thought of Crimson Tide which is mm-hmm. a movie that sort of in the first five minutes, it sets its own alternate version of the cold war where there's some person who's taken control of nuclear silos or something in Russia. And right. that's what set the stage. It never happened as far right. as we know, but it's like, it's a, I get it. You're doing some fiction here. You're yeah. trying to sort of do some variation on what the world politics is. I'll, well, I'll go with it. Here's the thing. You, you might think, well, 1970, 71, 72, we're in the cold war. Like why why they keep talking about the Chinese delegation? Like what is this? The mind of evil? I was you know? thinking that. You were thinking that. Well, here's the reason. That's why it's a good idea for us to step into history corner. Because this actually was a time when we were terrified of the Chinese uh blowing up the world. Because after the Cultural Revolution, the USSR and China actually came to loggerheads. Like they actually fought on their border. There were little skirmishes and they're both nuclear powers at this stage. And we're sort of fighting both of them by proxy in Vietnam and an increasing number of wars around the world. So everyone was like, holy crap. Like we thought one cold war enemy was bad enough. Now there are two. (laughs) It's worse. There's two of them. No, sir. All three of them. Well, all three, because like every, everyone's at war with each other, right? It's like, we are so on the brink. So where, when, when day of the Daleks talks about world war three and like, we, we hear world war three now and we're like immune to it. We've seen so many terminators and world war three happens or it doesn't happen. Like it's, it's almost a cliche at this stage, but at that time it was a frightening new thing to talk about the idea that world war three would kind of double down on the, uh, increasing size of world wars over the years by including three participants who are all nuking the hell out of each other. Um, Mm. Now, this tension did not dissipate until the one good thing that Richard Nixon ever did in his entire life. Well, okay, two good things after founding the EPA. He went to China. 
He went to China. He basically sort of uh, diffused the tension with China. He kind of allied China with the U.S. It was the the beginning of everything. Right. It was the beginning of the the trade uh, connection that exists today, and hopefully will keep existing. And we won't blunder into World War Three with the Chinese after all. In which case, Day of the Doctor may look uh, horribly prescient. Um, but yeah, this is definitely it's definitely contemporaneous. Like this story is broadcast January the first. 1972 is when it started and yeah tensions were at an absolute high so uh it is absolutely uh of the moment to have the chinese delegation in there uh now the the delegation from a random african country however <laughs> that seems to precede mm-hmm. them wonderful representation but let's perhaps get a name or a reason why they're here it is it's a bit uh pyramid at the end of the world ish isn't it this sort of vague international situation with lots of it is uh, delegates I, and I soldiers. You, yeah i totally agree uh, the, hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of split on whether you really need that fleshed out more I, mm. I i would argue no i think it's kind of like just knowing there's sort of a dire situation and there's various countries i think maybe with the african thing they were playing a little too fast and loose with oh yeah. well this is the future anyway because again right. they seem to be trying to have their cake and eat it too with the unit era as the near future yeah. except you know they have alex mcintosh i guess who was a real bbc newscaster at the time as oh wow um he was a, the the reporter apparently and then oh he's listed goodness. as himself no in the uh in the, in the credits so so they're kind of like trying to do both um, i even, honestly even... thought that was an actor i was like no no way a real reporter would be that plummy <laughs> and there's even a point where the controller in the future is talking to joe and trying to get more information out of her and he goes like okay you've already told me what year you're from <laughs> and he's like, you're like wait wait no she hasn't <laughs> and it's like, the implication being like i guess it happened on screen before they started talking yeah uh, or off screen rather um but it's clearly deliberately put in to not say the year headline. <laughs> yes. so it's it's again they're being very conscious at this point that the, the ambiguity yeah. of unit like uh, and subsequent production teams would kind of like get less and less careful about it um, yeah. to the whole dating controversy, of course. Yeah, and he's trying to get the actual date of that year out of her, uh, which was an in-joke, a production in-joke. Like, they just gave the name of the first day of production. Uh, oh, really? Oh, that's yeah, why yeah. it's September the 12th. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. So I got to say, uh, like, some of the unit stuff uh, mm-hmm. I actually really like. I think, it, particularly in the first, like, the Brigadier's not in it a lot, mostly in the beginning and the end, but he looks good. He gets to be very brigadierish and even yell at Styles at the end, and it's such a British thing. He keeps trying to reason with them and touching him on the arm, and <laughs> you you get the sense an American production would just see have him like hogtied at some point. Yep. The brigadier hauling him over his uh, shoulder or something and uh, taking yeah, him out as, of cuffs. And the most heated it gets is, "I'm afraid I must insist, sir." Yeah, he gets you to know. yell, <laughs> but he's um, still calling him sir. It's very respectful. I'm afraid I must insist. We must get out of it. Um, yeah, and there's Good the cool stuff. I really like the bit uh, earlier where Yates and Benton have that exchange with you know Benton wants a little charity. Oh from my Joe. god, Joe yeah. is like bringing it out. Yates comes in and is just a complete dick. Himself. Yeah. And takes the stuff. I've never and, felt worse about Mike Yates than I than I did after the story. Totally, it's not really like Yates is. I don't know. A, that's a whole other thing. But I do like these memorable moments that flesh out this era. I mean, this is why mm. we remember the Unit era so fondly. Mm. These kind of character moments between some of the sort of secondary players 
And I just thought that was really hilarious. My kids laughed and were kind of into it. And, you know, yeah. it's, it, it works. This is fleshing out the, the Doctor Who world a little bit. Right? It totally works. Well, I think we're overdue in terms of praising performances. I, I got I to gotta give Pertwee some praise for this. Uh, this, this is kind of the, one of the best poetry performances I've seen. And, uh, Lewis Marx gives him some great lines. There's that wonderful thing of like, uh, you know, when the controller says that everyone is happy and prosperous in the future and the doctor says, Oh, well, uh, well, how come you need so many people to control them? Don't mm. they like being happy and prosperous? Uh, <laughs> it just, it's a wonderful, a perfect poetry lines as if they were, bespoke for for his doctor you know and he's lounging on the couch drinking wine i mean he really is this is we we have talked on pull to open before about the doctor's weird relationship with alcohol throughout history uh, about how he appeared to be a teetotaler in his first incarnation but also uh drank viking mead when it suited him when there's a pretty lady to hand it to him uh arguably that time he didn't know yeah arguably he didn't know but on this time he's he's a neophile you betcha He's, what does he say about the wine? He's like, it's it's never cynical. Like he's amused by its presumption. I forget what. Like <laughs> exactly. he's, he's a one man wine spectator in this. Jesus. Yeah, well, I think he's freelancing. You know, <laughs> I mean, what else is he doing? He's, he's on stuck on Earth. They can't be do too many alien invasions for a unit to keep him busy. He's like, you know, he's yeah. taking up. Uh, a little bit of wine, wine and cheese. appreciation. Well, a, like, a hobby. I, you know, what, what we're sort of reminded by this episode and by the fact that he's uh, still trying to fix the TARDIS, still got the console outside the TARDIS, uh, is that uh, the, the, the Time Lords have taken his knowledge of time travel. That was part right. of the banishment. So he's got tons of his brain left over. So yeah, why not fill it up with wine, wine knowledge <laughs> and become a wine snob? If you're in Britain in the 70s, it's definitely worse thing to do. It's obviously a very snobby culture still. Uh, yeah. uh, speaking of which... Let's talk about Sir Reginald Styles and the fact that a diplomat called Sir Reginald Styles could either save or blow up the world might be like the biggest fantasy in this very fantasy rich story. Like, you know, Britain's standing at this point. Like we just canceled our space program. You know, we were we were nothing and nowhere in the world. And, you know, the attention was on the big three powers and we were not one of them. You know, and, and I think there was definitely what you definitely see starting in Day of the Daleks is this sort of Britain kind of coming to terms with itself as his empire falls apart. We talked about this before in the mutants. We talked about it in Carnival of Monsters, how Doctor Who sort of helped Britain re-examine its colonial past. Mm. Uh, it's not quite doing that yet, but, you know, this is still the era of Sir Reginald Styles and that wonderful pocket square in the, in the pocket of the BBC reporter who's reporting on the lawn, but yeah, it's all about to change. Of, you kind of have to, again, go into the sort of fever dream Doctor Who logic <laughs> yeah. <and> the future <laughs> of, of how it's sort of uh, putting its sort of chess pieces here in this story on the board. And uh, you kind of at some point just have to go with it because you're dead on. It's like, what what does it even matter what Britain's doing in, in the context of, of the world here? But um, there's also bits about like the Dalek HQ is built super close to where the, in space on earth, where the house, the Audrey house or whatever it's mm-hmm. called is blown up. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just really convenient for, for the mm-hmm. whole story. But again, it's sort of this doctor who logic of like, okay, well this is the, as long as we're keeping you entertained and putting enough on screen for you to distract you from, sort of the nonsensicalness of this. Um, I think it's fine. And the, again, like I say, they, they get that 
get out of jail free card for that simply yeah. by sort of setting it into the unit future. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe yeah. came back. Maybe that had a big comeback. You know, the sure. Spice Girls came back on the map. <laughs> Yeah. Yay. Yay, girl power. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean I, I do like the idea that uh, you know, if if Skynet you know, Reginald Styles is to Day of the Daleks as Skynet is to Terminator, right? Mm. Is they legend tells of, you know, this this Sir Reginald Styles of which you speak, he is the one who destroyed the world. They they say he burned the skies. You know, matrixy that. What I kind of wanted, though, wasn't more on Styles or Britain or the world. I actually kind of wanted more of the future because they yes. have these sort of things, these layers to it. There's um, in the controller Dalek world. There's that. I guess he's kind of a security chief who ends up getting promoted to controller once the controller's executed. Yeah, and you don't really. He's not really memorable. He doesn't really have enough material to make him sort of a niter type for example <laughs> in this dalek future and then there's also like all the the women in the control center who are just waving mm. their hands around knobs oh my god dials. yes i and- really can't wait for the computer where we all operate our computers like the the, the, the future <laughs> we're all you know like we're doing this to our laptops that's great like yeah, two like tur- got, tables and a microphone yeah you got like dj everyone's a dj exactly and but it, it, just the look and feel of that now you look at the controller and his performance and I, you know, it's easy to come away and think like, Oh, this guy's like being super wooden and he is, but I think it's a deliberate choice. Yes. And, and same with the women there. And it would have been good to, again, get a little deeper. Like why are they like that? Even if you just hint at it and what their life is like. Uh, But uh, I think the effect is good because I I looked at it. I was like, wow, this kind of like, it's almost like the Robert Palmer video, right? It's like this, this sort of fembot type women with, a guy in the middle who's like all shiny and his hair slicked back. It was like, this is simply irresistible future, man. It really? Yes. I love it. And, and he's also appears to be wearing the, uh, the war chief, uh, from the, the war games, oh, yeah. uh, uh, like mouse suit there. Like basically they, they pulled that one out of cold storage. Uh, but here's why I'm interested to hear about the 22nd century. Did you notice the, the, the rebels, the gorillas in, in episode four, they, they are sharing a, uh, a, a, um, a, uh, novelty cigarette of some sort. Um, they, oh, yes, <laughs> they are did. smoking Thanks. and they are passing it to each other That's on the right. left hand side i will point out that duchy has passed upon the left hand side what are they smoking it's 1972 things yeah. are really groovy they're not vaping that's for sure <laughs> they are certainly not vaping in the 22nd century <laughs> or maybe this is just a gorilla thing like they have to be hip kids they have to you know they're going through like, that cloves phase. Yeah, again, it's like the gorillas are weird, and I think some of it's conscious and some of it isn't. Sometimes they're super nice. Sometimes they're super merciless. Sometimes they're smoking. Sometimes they're, you know, being really straight laced and following orders. And it's never hundred percent clear, like who's giving the orders and what's your organization like. And um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted more there. Like I wanted them to make a little more sense and not just sort of have be this sort of people who would need to come on screen and, and sort of push the plot along. Um, yeah. I just want a little more there, there in all aspects of the 22nd century, the 20th century stuff. Fine. I, I'm going yeah. with whatever you're doing, but uh, I want a little more um, with, with what this sort of Dalek dominated world looks like and why the Daleks aren't just killing everyone too. That's another thing I was wondering because it's like, presumably there just aren't that many Daleks. And so mm-hmm. this is the whole thing in the 
Doctor Who, uh, sorry, the Dalek invasion of Earth, where they even say it in that story, there are not that many Daleks on Earth. They needed help. That's why they created the Robo Men. And this is kind of like same thing. They the Daleks realize if they want a huge empire, they can't build enough Daleks fast enough to man mm-hmm. it. So they actually need to enslave races, which is like and kind of like that's implied, but it's also like I'd kind of like that said out loud and what their ultimate plans are. Enslave races and talk to them constantly about their production quota. Uh, mm. Yeah, I sort of like to see more of this kind of version of the Dalek, where they're kind of like Lumberg from Office Space. And where what are they doing with all those minerals? And what's happening? Lots of questions unanswered. But you know what? There are other questions that we need to answer anyway. And those are, of course, the four questions to Doomsday. First question. Why did the randomizer take us here? Well, I think the most uh, direct answer from from Seeds of Death is uh, the the Doctor's casual killing. Mm, yeah, like just yeah, Ice Warriors, Ogrons. He has no problem ending their lives. What's up with that? He does not need an elixir from the Sisterhood of Karn to become a warrior, <laughs> right? Okay? He's a warrior. Like he's he's really will, ready, willing, and able to blast away the bad guys, given the opportunity. Um, you know, Moffat has joked uh, whether this is in canon or not. We don't know, but he has joked that that was actually just a placebo that the Sisterhood of Khan gave him. Right? Yeah, it's in the yeah. I remember the novelization, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like Mountain Dew or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's that. We've we've also got. Uh, we should mention. We did mention this briefly last week. We got a console outside the TARDIS bingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, with ambassadors of death and inferno uh we've got a day off bingo uh oh. right are there, are there any more day offs day of the doctor day of the daleks is that is that it yeah there's no day of the cyberman there's no there's this father's day but it's not a day yeah. off okay yeah yay, so, <laughs> yay <laughs> to the day <laughs> uh so there's that and then uh you know just uh to throw a little cold water on the proceedings i would uh mention that at the time we're recording this the, the <laughs> just to stay vague the international situation is kind of looking a bit perilous Hmm. It is. It's. It's. <laughs> I'll say no more relevant that. <laughs> to talk about peace and mm-hmm. try not to let things spiral out of control at the very least. So indeed, try to get on that, people. Um, yes, okay. because as the doctor says at the end of Day of the Doctor, we've seen what happens if you don't. Well, I think that's something we're actually going to have to ponder mm-hmm. now as we take on the second question: What if the evil plot had succeeded? Yeah, <laughs> to which all I've written down here is um dot dot dot. We've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this you kind of have to take a step back on it because, and and think about the whole time travel happening here, and which is again the paradox is interesting, but they don't really explain how they get out of it. The mm-hmm. whole thing about these sort of paradox things is it's inevitable, like it happens, and admittedly they go in a different direction in terminator 2 which Mm -hmm. is a changing time as opposed to sort of becoming a part of it but in the original terminator it's all just a loop nothing is actually changed uh here stuff is changed and why what's the x factor and i think you really just have to headcanon it that while the doctor's a time lord he can manipulate things beyond you know quote unquote linear time and that's how they ended up changing things mm-hmm. um but it, you kind of have to squint again pretty hard to sort of see that and 
Um, so, so yes, that it, it succeeds on some level, but is, but is there another version of this where the doctor doesn't do what he does and that future comes to pass right. and the, the doctor that we know either dies or gets regenerated to Tom Baker in some weird dark Dalek future. Um, right. Maybe. Maybe. And then, then the Time Lords take Tom Baker's doctor directly to uh, Scaro at the beginning of the Daleks. And, you know, just the, the timeline intersects with Genesis of the Daleks. And maybe in that version, uh, the evil plot succeeds here. Then, then he has no compunction, no qualms mm. about touching the two wires. If he'd actually died in that, in that horrible Dalek future of Earth. Mm. Um, so, and uh, yeah, so no Daleks. Yeah, that's possible. Mm, maybe. Yes. I, I think what I have to think here is like whether it kind of succeeds and doesn't succeed because this timeline's erased, but it did sort of exist at one point. So I feel like the lack of success here might have led to the Daleks just sort of being more careful. Because there is a point here where like the Supreme Dalek says something like, we've mastered time travel, we've invaded again, and the Daleks will now spread their evil or their empire to all places and all times. He says something along those lines. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, I think you're going to screw something up if you just sort of start invading every single time as well as, as planets, you know? And I think, I think they learned something here is like, oh yeah, we need to be a little more careful about altering the timeline mm-hmm. um, because we could end up just wiping ourselves out. So, so maybe this is the beginnings of the time war. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Scaru wasn't the first strike after all. Interesting. Yeah. Something to ponder. Well. Anyway, <laughs> more things to ponder, of course, include our third question, which is where is the Clara splinter? Wow. Well, there, there are many options for where Clara Oswald splintered in time at the end of the day, the name of the doctor, uh, somewhere in the background of every Doctor Who story, not just yelling at Pertwee from, from behind Bessie uh, on some mm-hmm. random road somewhere, but presumably all in all his other stories too. Uh, where is she in this one? Uh, all, all I had for this, because uh, I didn't have much time to think about it, delivering Mike Yates a swift kick in the nuts off screen for <laughs> being so mean to Benton and stealing his wine and cheese. Mm. And and using this line, Rank has his privilege. I mean, how much more of an asshole boss can you get? <laughs> you know what? I'll bet military guys in the 70s would say this is pretty mild. Right. <laughs> sure. I'm sure it's just doing you know, what people would do. That said, um, I couldn't find a good place for her. I don't, I, I don't like having Clara fill plot holes that make her evil. Mm. Um, so I'm not into too much of her being in the 22nd century. Um, all I can think of is that she's keeping Styles's wine cellar well stocked and just making sure, you know, that <laughs> Pertwee Doctor can get good and liquored up, but not too liquored up. Maybe she's making sure the alcohol content of those wines is Ooh. lower so that he can still do that Venusian karate. Which, <laughs> yes, so. I, I forgot to mention this, but I, I have to say I love the scenes where he does a bit of Venusian Aikido or karate or whatever you want to call it, and he's holding his wine glass. Right. And takes a sip from it afterwards. James Bond was never that good. Yeah. Like, and then it inexplicably fails on him in episode three, I think, or maybe it's four, when they he gets busted out by the gorillas and 
uh, or no, he tries to escape on his own. So I think that was episode three, right? Because then he gets in the motorbike chase. So then mm. he's trying to do Venusia and Aikido on the Ogron guard and it doesn't work. And then Joe has to sl- smash him over the head with the wine carafe, uh, which does work. <laughs> you know, we, we still have to explain that whole thing of like, why don't the Daleks recognize this incarnation of the Doctor? And uh, in part, it's an excuse to strap him to a table while we actually see for the first time in the series, uh, you know, the, the, the photos of uh, uh, Hartnell and Troughton uh, mm. confirming that this is the same guy. Um, but and we got it. Like the original version, you could actually see the title sequence. Oh. <laughs> on the screen. It would say, like, and it's John Pertwee as, as the doctor. Yeah. Um, luckily, oh they cleaned that up in the CGI version. <laughs> Again, thanks, special edition. Uh, really thought I would say that. Um, but yeah, so so there is this whole thing of, um, you know, the. Uh, Oh gosh, it's completely fled my head. But well, yeah, she she's she's she has to be the one who is projecting an image of the Doctor and Joe at the start to mm. make them think that they're about to be involved in a timey wimey adventure and clearing up that plot hole. Oh yeah, um, yeah, could be. Maybe it's it's all done with mirrors. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and when the Doctor asserts that, oh, this is just mm. a time. Uh, you know, hijinks or whatever is happening. Yeah. Some some crack in time. Maybe he's just he's just BSing because that's yes. what he does a lot. Like he's just like you know, I'm just going to pretend I know what's going on and I'm in charge. And we know that that's his mo. And it was mm-hmm. all just Clara fooling him. Yeah, I love, I love it. But I was also going to say that maybe the Clara Splinter we're looking for is Souffle Girl. Uh, it's it's the Clara Splinter inside a Dalek. Maybe a different Clara Splinter inside a Dalek erasing the memory of the Daleks of, of the doctor just in time for Pertwee's incarnation hmm. uh, to arrive and just yeah, maybe. Sort of slow things down. It's hard to know about that, whether, why they recognize them or not, just because you could argue this is just the first time they're encountering the Pertwee incarnation. Hmm. The other thing is that, well, these are, these Daleks are wiped out of the timeline. So maybe they were never properly aligned with it anyway. So hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All okay. right. Moving on to the final question, the ultimate question, the only question that matters for Day of the Daleks. What did we think of this story? Well, the Poltoipa rating system will provide an answer, and it has six ratings, and one of them is a Dalek. And that is what (laughs) we give a good episode of Doctor Who. In addition, one of the ratings is also an Ogron. Hey, which is what we give to a bad episode of Doctor Who. There's also the Professor Hater, which we give to an episode of Doctor Who that may not be very good, but at least we learned something. There's the Viscount Banger, which we give to the best of the best. There's the Fixed Point in Time, which we give to an episode that is somehow beyond rating. We don't want to rate it, probably for reasons of nostalgia, but sometimes for other reasons. And then there is also the Lady Cassandra, something Mm. that has a paper-thin plot, but hey, at least it looks good, especially with little moisturizing. Yes, and a little CGI, um, mm. which you might consider for this if you, right, if, you know, if you didn't appreciate the plot. But uh, I, I will say that, ironically, uh, whenever the Daleks are on screen, it's kind of an Ogron. Whenever the Ogrons are on screen, it's kind of a Dalek. Mm. Um, but that's <laughs> we don't rate by individual scenes. Uh, however. Not usually, but we do have hybrids, and I think we're looking at a hybrid here. I think it is a Dalek hybrid, 
but I also think there are some things that that we learned not Doctor Who learned not to do. Uh, really? So yeah, like you know, have three Daleks invading a uh, inv- <laughs> invading a country house, or like just the, the pacing of it, or like not wrapping up your time loop from episode one and breaking that storytelling right. convention. Few things like that that just 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 tip it over. I think into the hater side of the hybrid. So it's a Dalek hater hybrid for me. Wow. Okay. Well, I got to say, as I said earlier, I was really taken aback by how much I got into this, uh, mm. partly because of the CGI, but also when I was watching it with my kids, uh, they kind of got into it. Maybe also partly because of the CGI. I'm sure they would have been laughing at those old Dalek voices, but I, I really enjoyed this. I really watching it again, uh, watching it again and sort of appreciating sort of the time travel storyline. I think you're dead on that. This is probably the best Ogron story. They're super fun and mm. uh, they really work. Um, there's problems with it. And, but most of the problems are wanting more. And I'm so glad mm. the CGI version gives you a little more uh, to work with. And particularly, with the visceral nature of sort of all those disintegration effects, you can really feel the sort of peril in it. So mm-hmm. I'm giving this kind of a hybrid rating. It's not really a hybrid rating because I think it's a really great Dalek. It's basically a Supreme Dalek for the CGI version, but yeah. for the story itself, it's basically just a regular Dalek. It's kind of a drone. If you don't <laughs> see the CGI. So it's a Dalek Dalek hybrid. It's a Dalek Dalek hybrid. Wow. So that makes it between our ratings, that makes it 75% Dalek. Uh which means that it is now that we have our hot 100, I can tell you that this is going to be somewhere in the realm of State of Decay, Terror of the Autons, the God Complex, Planet of Evil, the Time Meddler, or Frontier in Space. <laughs> Well, it's very appropriate that it's with Frontier in Space. Also, yes. the only other episode that features Ogrons and Daleks in the same thing, but Ogrons in particular. Yes. Well, yeah. stay tuned. At some point in the future, we will have another Hot 100 uh, where we find out what the big rises and fallers are. Uh, this one will probably edge the Saranga Conundrum out of the Hot 100. Sorry, Saranga Conundrum. Uh, you are the weakest link. Goodbye. Um, okay. All right. Everybody on Spotify, don't forget, you can have your voice. We have just rated Day of the Daleks. Now you can too. Go to your Spotify app, check out the poll on this episode, and let us know if, what you thought. Do you agree that it's a hybrid of Dalek and Hater proportions, or is it a fine Dalek, or perhaps one of the other ratings? Go ahead, have your say. Indeed. And it's time for the randomizer to have its say. As we step back into our TARDIS, uh, or the uh, the randomizer control panel that we've decoupled from the TARDIS, and uh, we like to give the randomizer challenges. But folks, how does the randomizer work? Well, there's the codex. That's the first part. That's what Pete has. Uh, that is the list of all Doctor Who stories in sequential order. Um, and, uh, we have, we are counting down the numbers, uh, in, in that, uh, in that soon to be increased number of Doctor Who stories, uh, which may end up adding one or three, depending on how interlinked the plots are of the specials. Um, but where are we at the moment, Pete? What's the, what's the magic number of stories left to visit? There are 201 Doctor Who stories left to visit. <gasps> oh my God. 
God, are we going to get to the magic 200? We might. Uh, well, first, we have to challenge the randomizer for yes. what's happening next week, which is what we like to do. And I'm just going for it. I like the Daleks again. This made me really want to see more of them. Give me more Daleks. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'm going to piggyback on that. And uh, before I hit uh, random.org, which is how the randomizer works, that's the executor part, it uses atmospheric noise and uh, gorillas from the future to decide uh, on an algorithmic or non algorithmic random number because algorithms are really bad at random numbers. True randomness. Uh, the best we can do is look at atoms bouncing around the atmosphere. So as I plug 1 and 201 into random.org, I'm going to say I, I liked the timey-wiminess. Like, this is uh, it's a surprisingly rare thing in Doctor Who. We've obviously been there for some of the timey-wimiest, including Blink and Day of the Doctor. Um, but take us to some perhaps less well-regarded uh, timey-wiminess somewhere in the canon. Okay. And uh, we'll put it to the test. Let's do it. Let's get some mental time travel with the Daleks. They like to do that, you know. Um, <laughs> all right. Are you ready for the countdown? I am. In four, three, two, one. 124. We are okay. in New Who. We definitely are, and we've done it. We've arrived. It is not Dalek-y. It's not really that timey-wimey, but it is human nature, the family <gasps> of blood. Oh, well, right. timey-wimey in the sense that the Doctor believes himself to be a human from, from a particular time on Earth uh, in the past, in our past. I am super thrilled to be doing a well-regarded Tenet episode before his yes. return to the series. So this is going right? to be great. Oh my goodness. And, and talk about the discussion of like uh, the, the Time Lord Victorious angle of uh, Tenant's Doctor. Here we are. Absolutely. We talked about this in our Cruel and Cowardly uh, special episode. I think randomizer was listening. It really it. was. It was like, ooh, Cruel Doctor. Let me. <laughs> and that was, in fact, the one story I believe we mentioned in, the, in that uh, episode that we hadn't already been to. So yeah. the randomizer is like, let me complete your collection for you. Catch you up. <laughs> thank you, Randomizer, and thank you, listener, for listening to this episode of Pull to Open, which is a podcast, and podcasts are great things for you to subscribe to, so go ahead and hit that follow button in wherever you, whatever app you're in, in case you're following us on a web embed or something, go ahead and do that. Go check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash pull to open. Uh, thank you, as ever, to Martin West and your rocking music. Uh, he does all of our music. Check out his site. is linked in the show notes. And of course, leave a review if you can for this here podcast. Oh, by the way, we might have a guest from another podcast to help us Ooh. out with human nature and family of blood. You might know him as Stephen in Edmonton uh, on Radio Free Scarrow. Yes, he's hey. going to be visiting us uh, next week, and we're looking forward to his thoughts on this one. Um, well, he, he, he will if we get him to open his pocket watch. Uh, this this is the essential thing. He has to remember uh, that he's Stephen from Edmonton. But uh, hopefully that will happen by next week. Uh, looking well, forward to I, that. We're going to try not to get too much into the Edmonton commentary. Since I <laughs> Edmonton. Uh, and, you, well, you guys go ahead. We hit record. I'll be uh, reading a newspaper from 1913 as you as you discuss that. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, will be you, right. me, Stephen, and John Smith. Looking forward to it. Take care, everyone. Sounds good. See you, folks. 